If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me this morning, if you would, please, to the book of Leviticus. The book of Leviticus. It's a, it's a passage of Scripture that you have probably read several times, you're acquainted with, or you maybe have heard the preacher preach about it. But it says, it's the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. I want everybody to say that. It's the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Now, you can use whatever title you want for my message this morning. You can either use, there's, blood in, uh, there's power in the blood, or the blood will never lose its power. Take your choice. Either one's all right with me. But my dad's favorite song was, one of his favorite songs was, there's power in the blood. So that's what I'm going to talk about a little while this morning, a little something different, and I want you to glean some nuggets out of this lesson if you can, because I believe it will help you in a tremendous way. In recent days, I have been spending considerable time or amounts of time reading through the Old Testament, especially the passage dealing with the exit of Israel from Egypt. Now, when you're studying the uh, the Old Testament uh, for your master's degree in theology, you get deep into the Old Testament. In fact, I was so deep in the Old Testament, I felt like that I was walking with Moses across the Sinai Peninsula. You get deep in it. And that's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. Because the old will bring out a lot of the new. If you're acquainted with the Word of God. You can't divide the two and say, well, I'll believe in the old, but I won't believe in the new. Or I'll believe in the new, but I won't believe in the old. The old is the old law, and, and we don't, no, don't go down there. You've got to accept the laws of God as well as the compassion of Jesus Christ and His love. In the passage of Scripture, I have come to understand that God gave His people scientific truth that was centuries ahead of that possessed by men of that particular time. For instance, God spoke often about washing the body under running water. This is simply a form of cleansing that wasn't even practiced by medical professionals until the latter part of the 19th century. In fact, doctors would often operate on one patient, then they would go directly to another, stopping only to wash their hands in the same basin that had been used by many others. During the Civil War, a lot of those that had amputated limbs uh, didn't necessarily die because of the amputation. They died because of the infection that, it, that got into their blood, and that's how they died. Why? Because they didn't know anything about uh, sanitization. They had no knowledge of that whatsoever. And so... I'm going to talk a little bit about that this morning, and I believe it's going to help you. Another truth that God revealed to His people was the notion of quarantine. Now, I remember when I was a kid, and we lived on Southeast 14th Street Court, and we lived across the Pike House right behind Jaime's store. And one of us siblings, I don't remember which one, come down with, I don't know whether it was measles or the mumps or the chicken pox or what it was. But anyway, there was a health official that came out to our house 
And they put a big sign on the front door of our house. Pop. I never saw a sign that big on a door in my life. And on that sign, in the heading of it, said, Quarantine. Now, as a young boy, I thought, uh oh, mm -mm, this ain't good. And nobody could go into the house or nobody could come out of the house for seven days because you were under quarantine. And I went to my dad and I said, Dad, I said, what's going to happen to us? We're quarantined. I thought it was the end of the world. And Dad said, well, don't worry. Everything's going to be all right. I said, Dad, what are we going to eat? What are we going to have? We can't leave. Can't buy any groceries. What we could buy. And he said, don't worry about it. we got enough peanut butter. we got enough beans and cornbread and meal. You know, we, we'll get by for the seven days. No problem. And at the, at the end of that uh, seventh day, they come back out and they removed the quarantine sign. Man, I was never so happy in my life. <laughs> you know. But repeatedly in the Bible, God tells His people to remove from their midst those who are infected with dreaded disease such as leprosy. In fact, it was this knowledge that was in, instrumental in steaming the tide of the Black Death that claimed a third of Europe during the Dark Ages. The bubonic plague, or Black Death, was a fatal disease granted by fleas, spread by fleas, which lived on rats and humans. This plague started in Asia, traveled to Europe by rat-infested Italian ships, trading goods across the Mediterranean Sea. Now listen to this. The plague reached England by 1348. By 1351, over one million people died in Europe because of that plague. Something similar to the COVID-19 that we are having. But it's not rats, it's bats. Huh? That were in an experimental stage in China. Now, you know, you can have all your ideas about it, and that's fine. But I'm going to tell you what mine is. And because of their experimental process, they let the plague be dispersed throughout the world. Was it by accident? No, not at all. It was on purpose. I said that to say this. We are coming to the age or the end of our time when you better look up because your redemption draweth nigh. There are things taking place in our society today that I never would have dreamt would have taken place when I was a kid. I mean, this world is upside every demonic spirit of hell has been turned loose on God's people. Right now, that, that uh, COVID-19 has uh, killed 3,847,019 people. And it ain't done yet. There was a man by the name of... Uh, Anturo, Agni Ladai Tura. That's a lot of names. He was an Italian author. And during that plague, he said, I buried with my own hands five of my children in a single grave. 
And when he threw the last shovel of dirt on that grave, he said, no bells, no music, no tears. And he looked up to heaven and he said, this is the end of the world. Now, can't you just imagine what that family had went through? Can't you imagine what families are going through today because their loved ones are dying in nursing homes throughout the United States of America? Not of their fault. God help us. But perhaps the most remarkable of the scientific statements made in the Bible is the statement that is found in the passage, the life of the blood is in the flesh. You see, this is a truth that wasn't understood by scientists and doctors until very recent times. In fact, the blood was often uh, seen to be the culprit behind many diseases and teachings called bloodletting, whereby some of the blood was run out of the body and it was used to bring about healing. Sadly, it most often brought about death. In fact, just over 200 years ago, it was our president at that time, George Washington, who lost his life because of bloodletting. It was this technique that they used to try to preserve life, but instead it took life. And sometimes doctors would attach leeches to their patients in an effort to remove blood from the bodies. This technique was, to say the least, more than a little flawed. This morning I want to take a few minutes to look at this verse and say that it's still the blood that is the life of the flesh, and it's still the blood... That is the life of the soul. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Blood is not only uh, of necessity, but it's very important to God. There are three powerful statements that are made here concerning the blood. That helps us to understand just what a remarkable substance the blood is. Doctors say you have about 5.6 liters of blood in your body. First of all, what is the purpose of the blood? This verse tells us that the very life of the body is contained in the blood. When God made Adam, it was from the dirt or the dust of the ground. Well, can you prove that? Yes, I can. You put on a white shirt and go out someday and work feverishly in the sun and sweat profusely. You come back in and you take that white shirt off and you look at your collar and your cuff and see what color they are. Huh? Brown. The dust and the dirt from the ground. My sister, my middle sister, Kathy, used to love to make mud pies. You know where I'm going with this. When I was a kid, no, don't be pointing now. Yeah, they, they, they always want to point their finger at somebody else. Made mud pies. And so when she'd make a mud pie, she'd want to come over and get a hold of me and say, Come on, I got some mud pies. I don't, I don't want a mud pie. Yeah, you do. So she'd dig a little hole in the ground, put some water in it, and make a mud pie, and pat it all down. Goes, Here, eat it. It's good. I said, How come you're not eating it? She said, Well, I already had mine.
And she stood there until I took a bite of that mud pie. Now, let me tell you something. I wasn't very big when I was a child, kid. And she could beat me to, oh, to a pulp. So I, the only thing I could do was outrun her. <laughs> so I took a bite of the mud pie, and I said, mm-hmm, thank you, bye. And I was out of there. But mud, dirt. And when God formed Adam, he gave him two very strong and, and, and good ingredients, oxygen and blood. When God made Adam and formed him, or created him from the dust of the ground, he goes, and Adam went, perfection. God created Adam to perfection. No deformities, no spots, no blemishes, perfection. And Adam stood there as a perfect, created human being. But then God did something else when he came alive. It was to put that precious blood into his veins. Hallelujah. Now see, everything that you have in your body came from the ground. That's why when you go to the doctor and he takes a, a, a blood test, he studies for uh, uh, electrolytes. You know what that is? That's taking all the chemicals of your body and dissect them and see what you're in need of. That's what that is. Now, we could talk about, you know, carbon, calcium, phosphorus, potassium, sulfur, magnesium, iron, sugar, etc., etc. They all came from the ground. So when you were created, God just reached down, dust or dirt, and formed you. Somebody said, well, you know, I like dirt and dirt don't hurt. That's true. God knew just exactly what he was doing when he made man. Amen? Now, as I stated earlier, medical science didn't understand that until the advent of the powerful microscope that now allows doctors to look at the blood and better understand its function in the body. Among the substance of the body, the blood is unique. For instance, the blood is the only tissue in the body that is mobile. Listen to this now. The body produces many fluids such as saliva, gastric juices, tears, bile, which is an alkaline fluid that connects with the liver. But these are not tissues but what doctors call secretions. Okay? And they're not parts of the body, but they're products of that body that that body discharges. Now, I'm going someplace with this. And I've only got a short time to do it in, so please bear with me. Secretions. You don't need that. I mean, it's there to help you when the need uh, uh, becomes important, but when you don't need it, it's gone. Huh? The blood is the only tissue which is not fixed, but it circulates throughout the body to every living cell. Did you know you have about 25 trillion cells in your body? I'm trying to show you how, how fabulous your body is made. 25 trillion cells in your body. 
And there is the red cell. It's containing a mysterious substance called hemoglobin. It's an iron compound which has an attraction for oxygen, which a fuel, which is a fuel for the body that carries the nitrates or nutrients throughout your body. And it makes a complete circle about every 23 seconds. Now, I want you, I want you to visualize this. All that blood that you got in here is moving all the time. It's circulating throughout your body. What's it doing? It's like a guard. You know, it's going over your body constantly to see what you need. And when you're in need of something, whether it be one of these that I had mentioned, then that blood is there to provide that oxygen, that need to help you function. But it keeps moving through your body all the time, that blood is moving. And it travels to all the cells, and there they discharge their little cargo. And they provide it with its vital oxygen for combustion and heat in the blood. Heat, which brings about what physicists call quirks. Quirks is that what gives you that 98.6 temperature in your body that makes you just right. Not too hot, not too cold. Just right. Whew. When I got to study about this, I got excited. Because, you know, isn't it amazing how many times we go to the mirror and say, mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? And you men are just as bad at primping as women are. One day I went to the mirror and I said, mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? I looked, I walked, started to walk away. And the mirror spoke to me. And it said, come back to me and what do you see? I looked in the mirror and you know what I saw? I saw some humps and bumps. I saw some cracks and crevices. I saw some sagging and bagging. Things I didn't used to have, now all of a sudden they were there. there. There was appearance there. And it shocks me to think that when you look at yourself, you can read yourself. It's just like the Bible. You see, the, the more you read the Bible, the more the Bible reads you. Huh? You want to get deep? Get deep. You want to look at yourself? Look at yourself. Go to the Word of God. It'll tell you all about yourself. Sometimes you're not as great as you think you are. You know? Hallelujah. What happens? The blood, the blood picks up the waste product of the tissues, carbon dioxide and waste tissues, metabolism, which we call the cell garbage, and discharges this through the kidneys, the skin, the bowels. I know this is a different message, but it's one you need to hear. Discharges them. The body contains these cells, or, or, or creates these cells at a rate of 2.4 2, million a second. And they have a lifespan of 120 days. What am I saying? I'm saying God's always moving through your body. The power of the blood in the human body is so great 
that an infection in the bloodstream has the power to infect the entire body. And the loss of too much blood has the power to interrupt human life. Huh? There was another part of the blood called leukocytes or white blood cells. Anybody here a doctor or a nurse or anything? I had the privilege of becoming friends with three doctors. One was a surgeon. That's where I get all my information. And uh, I wasn't always their pastor, but I was their friend. And uh, these blood cells, which are present to defend the body against outside invaders. Now, when the body is injured, you may notice a swelling in the area of the injury. This is called... This is caused by blood being rushed to the injured area. Blood that is rich in white blood cells. These cells have the power to kill and engulf germs and infections. Now listen to this. As they do their job, they die in the process and are expelled from the body. That's amazing. If you've got a sore here that's really driving you crazy, them white blood cells will rush to it. Like an invading army. And they'll attack it. And when they attack that sore, you know, and you get that pus that begins to run. When they attack that sore, they begin to heal that sore. Then after they do their job, and the wound, or whatever it is, is healing, they die. And God replaces them with more. Just like God replaced your old life with a new life. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. I'm a new man. Walking in a new life. With a new attitude, a new outlook, and a new me. Why? Because my name is written down in glory, and it's mine, all mine. Hallelujah. A change takes place in your body. The blood also carries antibodies and antitoxins. But just these simple insights are enough to let us know that blood is extremely vital to the existence of the human body. Well, the blood has its importance. It cannot be overstated in the human body. Everything we have said about the blood thus far has had a physical attraction. Now I'm going to get into the meat of the matter. It also has a spiritual application. Just as the blood is necessary to physical life, the blood is also necessary for spiritual life. However, the major difference is that the physical realm, one must have his own blood. But in the spiritual realm, we must have another's blood. See where I'm going with this. <laughs> Hallelujah. Otherwise, we must have a spiritual blood transfusion. If you have received the spiritual blood transfusion, which we call being born again, then it flows through your veins. Acts 2 and 21. It said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be Y'all be what? I'm a salvationist. I'm not a religionist. 
I don't have religion. I have salvation. I'm not just some structure in a church building. Hallelujah. I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm king's kids. Glory. Hallelujah. I'm heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Therefore, I can walk into a heavenly place and raise my hand and worship and praise God and say, Thank you, God, for the breath of life. Thank you, God, for the blood. Thank you, God, for everything that you have given me. We spend very little time thanking God for what we have. Huh? If I was going to give Bill ten dollars, <laughs> will two do? <laughs> he would take it gladly and thank me for it and be pleased. Why? Because he's got ten dollars. You buy him a cup of coffee and a donut. But how much more does our Heavenly Father give us than just material means to make us happy? I thought one time, you know what? I need a Cadillac. I'd like to have a Cadillac. But why? It can only do what I'm driving out there today. It can take me from A to Z. Huh? Thank God for what we have. Hallelujah. The blood that Jesus provides, the Bible says, is a holy blood. It's a righteous blood. It's a sanctified blood, a purified blood, a cleansing blood. That's why David said in Psalms 51 and 7, he said, Purge me with hyssop. He said, And I shall be clean. Wash me. And I shall be whiter than. Where does the whiteness come in? Sanctification. They don't preach much about that in churches much anymore. They don't talk about sanctification, purification, holiness. It's almost a forgotten topic or subject. And that's sad. Because we need it more today than we ever did before. Let me go on here. I'm going to wrap it up here. In uh, Leviticus 17 and 14, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Leviticus 17 and 11. And it's the blood that maketh atonement for the remission of sins. Jesus said in Matthew 26 and 28, He said, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of... When you take communion, there's a purpose in that. Don't ever take communion half-heartedly. Not at all. You've got to think about what you're doing when you take communion. It's very sacred, very honorable. I've known some just take it like it was, you know, juice and a little wavering. Well, all right, I'm going to go in fact, I know some churches that do it every 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 week. Now that's up to you, that's up to the church. I know some that do it once a month. I know some do it, you know, on a quarterly basis. But it shouldn't be to such an extent to where you become so comfortable with it you forget its meaning. Jesus said in Matthew twenty six and twenty eight, "This is my blood and testament which is shed for many for remission of sins." Hebrew 9 and 22, without shedding blood, there is no remission. 
First John 1 and 17, it said, The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. It doesn't make any difference. It cleanses the heart, the murderer, the whoremonger. It doesn't make any difference. The prostitute, the drug addict, the liars, the blasphemers, the crucifiers, it cleanses us all from sin. Every once in a while, the devil wants to jump on your back and say, Oh, wait a minute, there's a little condemnation. I want to put your way. And then it'll get you thinking back what you used to be. Don't think back what you used to be. It's gone. It's gone. Well, I remember years ago that I used to do this, and I used to do that, and I was this, and I was... It shouldn't even enter your mind. Why? Because God has taken it away. And He's buried it in the deepest of seas, never to be, what? Remembered. Oh, how we bring up those past experiences sometimes. And they, they do nothing but hurt and harm us, is all they do. Hallelujah. The blood. You play something, please. I gotta close this up. I want to say this. When Jesus led him to Mount Calvary, he held off his brow. His back had already been lacerated with deep wounds where the blood ran profusely. They gave him two pieces of wood called a cross for him to carry to his own crucifixion site. He lost so much blood that when he picked up the cross and he walked with it, he fell and he stumbled. I think that was because of the loss of blood in his body that weakened that body. When he marched down the Delarosa Street to Calvary, they laid him on the cross. And the Bible says that they put a crown of thorns on his brow. Blood ran down his face. And then they put nails, like a, more like a spike, not here, but here. You know why? Because these attendants in here, and they will hold the body up. Here, they'll rip out. The blood ran. When a soldier came up and pierced his side, the blood ran from his side. When they nailed his feet to the cross, the blood ran from the cross. In fact, the thief on the tree that was next to him said, this man hasn't done anything. I confess I have been a crook, a beggar, a crucifier, a thief. But this man has done nothing. And he said, Jesus, when thou cometh into thy kingdom, remember me. Jesus looked at him and said, I could just see that blood face. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. But here's what I want to add. 
when the blood began to run, and he was hanging on the cross, every drop of blood God said, Cain, where is your brother Abel? Abel said, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? And God said, hey, your, bro- your brother's blood is crying up to me from the ground. Blood speaks. And blood spoke on Calvary. Thank you this morning for giving me the opportunity, Dr. Rice, to bring in the word.